The following is a pre-recorded program paid for by Slaughter Investing and does not reflect the opinions or advice of KRLD or Odyssey. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only. The information is not intended to be a substitute for legal or financial advice that can be provided by your own attorney, accountant, and or financial advisor. While the expressions of these experiences are truthful and reliable, the usage is not a guarantee of results. Welcome to the Wealth and Rental Show, where we're going to give you the keys to unlock your real estate investing journey. Welcome to the Wealth and Rentals Show, where each week we're giving you the keys to unlock your real estate investing journey. My name is Leah Slaughter, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, Michael Slaughter. We have been mentoring, educating, and speaking around the United States for almost 20 years about our love for real estate investing and our own personal journey. We are so excited to get to spend time with all of you today discussing our favorite topic, making wealth in rentals. We're so excited to be here today. Let's talk for a minute about some of the market updates that we've seen. The months of inventory is still 2.1 for DFW. Healthy balance market is about five to six months. We're at 2.1. Some areas like Collin County and Dallas County have dropped to 1.7 and 1.8 respectively, lower than the national average of 2.6 months. Housing supplies remain an issue since 70% of homeowners have mortgage rates at or under 4%. But rates have come down since November, down from their peak. But people who have rates at 4% have no intentions of selling their homes unless they absolutely have to because they can't get into something at a 4% rate. Absolutely. We've also got some big concerns in the apartment investing world, but of course, that's nothing new for us. For those of you that have been listening to us for years, you know we're not a fan of large multifamily apartment syndications. We've been very concerned about the number of bridge loans and low cap rate acquisitions that have been happening over the course of the last few years. There's been a big push to value multifamily based on income instead of on net expenses and comparables, and they've been offering some pretty aggressive quotes on rent income and value growth, which we just felt was too high risk. Just this last week, $229 million worth of loans foreclosed on four Houston-area syndicated apartments. They just hit the courthouse steps by the lender, and that was due to nonpayment. They went for sale April 4th, and the lender's bid took all the loans at an approximate $25 million loss. These apartments were purchased between August of 21 and April of 22, so all within the last two years. The purchaser focused on purchasing a cash-flowing multifamily with value potential add-ons. There's also a lawsuit pending against the company for almost $1.6 million from a contractor who said he hasn't been paid. Wow, that's staggering. But the good news is, is rents still remain on the rise. Just this month, more than half of our properties up for lease renewal saw rent increases of over 150 a month. And again, these are single-family homes across the Metroplex. Rents have been going up consistently. Even Zillow has taken notice. For example, Plano had more than 11% rent growth the last 12 months and more than 2.2 just this last month alone. One of the ways that we've been maximizing our rent growth is making sure we have our leases up for renewal in what we call prime season, which runs from about March to August. More on this later in the show. So all this to say, we love single family. Let's talk about our investment model and why we think single family is the most resilient. Number one, people are fleeing the inner cities and dense housing during COVID. It really created this mass push to go into our suburbs. And that's in addition to the fact that here in North Texas, you can live in the suburbs and commute back and forth to your jobs, or most of these suburbs have their own employment centers. There's also a diversification of risk with single family. It's one of the big things that pulled us there first, because single family pricing is just not much more than multifamily per unit. It's really easy to exit, and there's lots of different ways to exit. 
And there's also a lot better ways to lend. If you're doing a big apartment complex, you're typically not going to do that alone. And there's only so many lenders and types of lending options that are going to work for that. We're going to focus a lot more on this in our next segment. And we just uh, last week were talking about the event that we had. And wow, did it turn out great. We had a huge demand for this where we went over all of these things and we were talking about single family and the beauty of investing and our speakers were phenomenal. That was just a high energy, high impact day. Yeah, no, it really was. And the funny thing is we were just talking about we were going to have 90 days before we did it again, but we've had so much interest that we're going to go ahead and teach it again in two months. If you want to find out about our next upcoming events and what education opportunities we have, go to our website, www.wealthinrentals.com. Awesome. So I would like to introduce someone really special to me. We have our Vice President Jason Bales with us here today. Thanks for joining us, Jason. Hey, Leah. Hey, Michael. I really appreciate you guys bringing me on, introducing me today, uh, and let me spend some time with you. And I got to say, the uh, the event this weekend, that was amazing. That was a great time. High energy. Heck, I even learned a few things while we while I was there. And uh, I got to say, I've been doing this for, for some time, not quite as long as y'all have, but <laughs> uh, I got to say, I definitely learned a few things. And so it was very exciting. Yeah, I, think, I love the energy. I think we actually we may have changed some people's lives, given them the opportunity, or at least kind of gave them the direction to move forward with take where they're at. You know, wherever you're starting in this journey of real estate investing, or and uh, kind of looking to see where that next step is. That's something that's uh, really kind of opened my eyes to all of this, and that's something that y'all have taught me. So um, I want to go back just for a second, though. Yeah, we're talking about this multifamily that, what was that, $25 million, Lee? Is that what you said? Yeah, and the lender took a $25 million loss over the loans. A $25 million loss. That is insane. That is insane. I don't know if I can quite wrap my head around that. And what's really scary to me is uh, I'm in some of these deals. You know, the, when I got into real estate, you know, I started out with a couple single families, kind of played that game a little bit, tried to learn it a little bit. Uh, but then I got tempted by the big multifamily. I had somebody kind of dangle the golden carrot in front of me that if you want to, you know, want to move up in real estate, multifamily is the way to go. And and then I got into syndications. And, you know, so I've got money tied up in some deals like this. And, uh, you know, I kind of see how the market's going. I see how um, kind of what happened with COVID, too. Like you were saying, uh, when we were watching people leave the inner cities, right, kind of flee out of the inner cities out into the suburbs, Almost like when you turn on the light, cockroaches are scattering it, running away from that. Um, we saw that firsthand. We saw that firsthand. And and the other part that you were talking about with um, people not having to live in the inner city because they don't have to work in the inner city anymore. I know before I started working with you, before I had the pleasure to come on as the vice president of the company, I mean, that's not where I started, but obviously that's where I worked my way up to. <laughs> they, just, they, just, they don't just give that stuff away, right? Um, I was working with the federal government, and the entire, the, my entire department went uh, virtual. They, they sent us all home and said, hey, you guys work from home from now on. And I think they're still doing that last I checked with them. So it's absolutely true that you don't have to necessarily live in the inner city and work in the inner city anymore. And so we absolutely learned that. Uh, but that is terrifying, the uh, $25 million. Well, you have to think about the fact the bank actually thought they had equity, right? Because you figure these people put maybe 20 25% down. So not only did they not have the equity they thought they had, they took another $25 million in losses, which to me is just astronomical. But they didn't even own these for two years. 
Well, you think back just two years ago, you couldn't you couldn't not buy a good deal. At least it seemed that way, right? Yeah. Two, three years ago, I mean, you could throw money at anything in real estate, and it was probably going to go up in value. Well, you figure that they probably had 30 to 35 percent appreciation is what they should have had. But at the end of the day, that obviously didn't happen. And so what that tells me is this was a mismanagement issue. This was someone who bought into something that needed a lot of work and had absolutely no idea what they were doing. You have to feel bad for the investors who got tied up into this deal. And, you know, they didn't know what they were getting into. They were promised these numbers and it just didn't quite hit them. This is the problem. When you're doing multifamily investing, it's so important to know who you're doing business with and look at their track record. One of the things that I've been talking about a lot is so many people made so much money the last few years, and they're using that as their track record. And so it's really important when you're scoping any investment model, whether it's multifamily, which I'm not a fan of, or single family or commercial, which I'm also not a fan of, you have to make sure you go back more than just the last two or three years. Because in reality, it was really difficult to not make money the last 36 months months. Really, really difficult. And so anyone who's out there talking about what they've done the last three years, it's probably going to look really good. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. At Wealth and Rentals, we do free in-person live educational events, as well as property tours, mentorship opportunities, and small group masterminds. To learn more, visit our website, www.wealthandrentals.com. This is a pre-recorded program paid for by Slaughter Investing. Welcome back to the Wealth and Rentals Show, where each week we give you the keys to unlock your real estate investing journey. My name is Michael Slaughter, and I'm here with my wife and co-host, Leah Slaughter. To learn more about us and what we offer, visit our website, www.wealthinrentals.com. Let's talk about leveraging. What is leveraging? We can leverage mortgages, we can leverage people, and we can leverage resources. So let's start with talking about financing and mortgages. Leveraging allows you to grow a portfolio as quickly as possible and really maximize both your cash and your returns. This is step one of our two to six year model. Leveraging also allows you to preserve your monthly cash flow while someone else pays down your mortgage to the tune of about 5% a year cash on cash return on a 20% down 80% financed mortgage. Plus, there's the benefit that the more properties you own, the more the benefit, tax benefits, diversification benefits, and so on. It's not just a tool for those just getting started. Leveraging assets by borrowing money and using the money to purchase an asset, which brings in more money than the cost to borrow, is a tool to grow your wealth. And just smart, both income and assets and also have assets that reduce the taxes you owe and pay. Even the top 1%, the wealthiest billionaires and millionaires in our country, they all use leveraging on their assets to buy new investments. This is how wealth multiplies. Leveraging allows you to buy four to five times as many properties, and it's the number one tool that we have used to grow our own personal portfolio. One of the top questions we get is, why is leveraging the best tool to grow your rental portfolio? Well, each property provides more than just cash flow by also providing tax reduction benefits, principal pay down, and hopefully appreciation. As you leverage, your return increases on each of these benefits, and you can grow your portfolio four to five times as large for the same amount of initial capital. 
Think of it this way. Each property is a team member, and the more properties you have, the more people are splitting the work, and the more worker growth you can accomplish. So with each property, your worth and lendability increases as it establishes you as an experienced investor, and that opens doors to better lending and opportunities in the future. It's also a great hedge against inflation, higher cash-on-cash returns and more cash flow, more overall global return due to the appreciation on four to five times the number of assets. It also gives you higher occupancy and lower vacancy percentages, because in reality, you're less likely to have five properties vacant than you are just one. Lendability benefits and access to better programs is a huge benefit, and we've used that extensively in our investment journey. Low cash output to purchase a property, you're basically earning money with a bank's money. And financial exposure per property decreases, which means that your risk decreases with every property you buy. So we've talked about leveraging, which in this case, we're talking about home loans and such. So let's talk about the different types of loans and how they help you. One of the big ones that everybody knows is Fannie Mae. That is your traditional style lending. It's on one to four family homes in decent condition. Ten doors is usually their limitation on that. Now, ten doors is really not true, and the idea is that it's more ten parcel IDs. So in theory, you could have a fourplex, and that count as one door if it's one parcel ID. You get a 30-year amortization and 30-year fixed rate. That's really rare in the lendability market for investment purchasing. Usually, they're about 20% down for a single family, which is one door, 25% for your two to four door uh, properties. But a lot of us are doing 25% down on our Fannie Mae right now because it does get you a little bit better rate. So that's something to keep in mind. Absolutely valid point. You have to put these in your personal name. Sometimes spouses can qualify individually, though. So if you have a two-person household, you might each be able to get those 10 doors, as we talked about earlier. They are heavier paperwork because this is going to be a traditional lending. So you're going to go through, just like when you bought your house, you're going to go through some of the same paperwork on that. But there's no prepayment penalties. That's a great thing as rates move and and ebb and flow because you can refinance more frequently. There's low loan costs on these because of the fact of how they're set up. But if you ever need to cash out, they do max at about 75%. Fannie Mae, though, is a great opportunity when you're starting out due to the amortization and the rate benefits. One of the reasons we were pretty shy against Fannie Mae for a while was the risk if you did transfer it to an LLC after purchase, this you know concern that a due on sale clause could be called. But in reality, that's not the problem anymore because they no longer can do that. So you can literally get a Fannie Mae with all the benefits in your personal name and transfer it to your LLC after closing. Hey, Michael, I just uh, wanted to make sure I was understanding what you were saying there when y'all were talking about the, the one to four. So you can use this Fannie Mae for single families all the way up to a fourplex? Absolutely. If you're one of those that's just starting out and you decide you want to buy a fourplex, live in one unit, rent out the other three, or you just want to buy a fourplex, not occupy it at all, you can do that as well. That sounds like a great way for someone that's just getting into the game to get started. Uh, I know when I sit down, and I, something I didn't actually mention is during my introduction is I've been um, in the military for the last 20 years. And so, well, in two months, it'll be 20 years, but it sure feels like it's already there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know when I sit down with a lot of first time, uh, you know, young airmen or whatever, and they learn that I do real estate investing and I'm the vice president of a real estate investing company, you know, in my normal day-to-day job. And one of the first questions I always get is, so how do I get started and this is one that I always look at. Now, uh, being military and working with other military, you know, we'll talk about, you know, VA loans and stuff like this. But Fannie Mae is very similar to that in a lot of the similar qualifications, like the one to four and, and stuff. So just to be sure, that to make sure I'm understanding it. So you're saying that if I took full advantage of Fannie Mae, let's say I was able to find 10 fourplexes, you're saying that I could get 
uh, all 10 of those put under Fannie Mae? As long as they are all single parceled properties, absolutely. And so what does a single parcel property mean? It means that when you look it up on the CAD, on the County Appraisal District's website, it's got one tax ID that lists all four doors. Then it's one parcel. And so that's what you've got to find is those. And most of them are, in most instances, going to be a single parcel when you buy them because that's how they were split off. They're all on one lot. They're all conveying as one property, one closing. What we also see is if something's built like a townhome where it's a walk up or it's a brownstone, each unit is sold individually. And so that's when you're typically going to see separate parcels. But if one person owns the entire building, generally that's going to be a single parcel. And it's a great way to increase your door holdings very quickly. That makes sense. I appreciate you taking the time to explain that to me. So step two and the other option is the other lending avenues. And this is really what Michael and I have used pretty much exclusively for the last four or five years. When we talk about other lending, we're talking about lots of different types of programs, whether it's a direct bank program, whether it's a fund that's doing lending. There's so many different things that you can find. But the bottom line is it's not limited to one to four family perfect condition properties. One of the negatives of Fannie Mae is if it needs a lot of repairs, you can't go with a Fannie Mae loan. And that's because it's a conventional loan. It's backing. So when we look at these other lending opportunities, you can buy different types of properties. There's no limit usually by whatever bank has policy. Rather, it's really by qualification or the bank's limit other than debt service coverage ratio, or if you've heard the term DSCR, that's what that is. So let me take just a quick second and tell you what that means. Essentially, when you have a rent amount on a property minus expenses, they want the ratio of that to expenses to exceed up amount. Usually it's like one 1.25% or 1.5%. So if you have a property that rents at 1500 and the expenses are 1500 that's not going to qualify. And so anytime you hear that DSCR, that's what they're talking about. And just to be clear, they may say DCSR because I see it misquoted <laughs> all the time. And I have to say it to myself, just remember what the acronym is. I do hear it messed up all the time. And I have been guilty of that myself. Uh, the terms vary on these other types of loans, anywhere from a 25-year amortization to a five-year fixed with a five-year balloon, and sometimes 30-year fixed. So let me dumb some of that down a little bit. Amortization is how long that principal payment is being paid back. So what that means is a 25-year amortization is going to have a larger principal payment that comes out of your profit every month than a 30-year amortization like a Fannie Mae product. And when I talk about a five-year fixed and a five-year balloon, that means that although it may be amortized over 25 or 30 years, often it's due paid in full in five years, or the rate's going to go up in five years for another five years. So when you go into these alternative loan programs, you need to be preparing that you're going to continue refinancing, which, of course, if you're following our model and you're in an appreciating market, you're going to be doing that anyway. Absolutely. So the next thing is we look at the loan to value. So we talked about Fannie Mae, how you're going to typically put 20% down on a single family, maybe 25 if you want to get the rate a little lower or potentially 25%. When we're looking at most of these bank programs, you can start with as little as 20%. But we're going to go to a quick break and then we're going to come back and dive more into this with you. Don't forget to visit our website, www.wealthandrentals.com for more information on our upcoming events, education and mentorships. Be right back. This is a pre recorded program paid for by Slaughter Investing.
Welcome back to the Wealth and Rentals Show, where each week we give you the keys to unlock your real estate investing journey. My name is Michael Slaughter, and I'm here with my co-host, Leah Slaughter. And we're also joined by our vice president, Jason Bales. To learn more about us and what we offer, visit www.wealthandrentals.com. So before the break, we were talking about some of the other lending avenues that we use to build a real estate portfolio. And one of the things I love about these other avenues is it's not just for beginners. It's not just for people that have an experienced real estate holding portfolio. And one of the great benefits of other lending alternatives is they can be really creative with taxes and income. And so when we look at conventional lending, they're looking for you to kind of fit inside this box. But when we're looking at this other type of lending where we're making direct relationships with banks and other people. What we can do is leverage that relationship, leverage savings accounts, leverage our history, and not have to do so much paperwork. And so for people like Michael and I, it's been great, but also for people who are just starting out. So Jason, I know that you, when you met me, you were all into the multifamily world, and I kind of tried to open your eyes to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, I, I may have been drinking some Kool-Aid, let's be honest there. But when I met you, that was you took me y'all took me under your wing and and did some mentoring there. That was eye opening. You guys absolutely took the time to, and taught me the model that y'all had been using uh, for the last several years to grow your wealth. I, I don't even think it was several. What, what were we talking about earlier? Six years. Was <laughs> yeah. it ultimately six years? You went from uh, four properties to what was it, forty million in yep. real estate? So uh, that's if. You know, if that doesn't wake you up and go, hey, I want to try some of that, um, I don't know what will. But by you taking me under your wing and kind of mentoring me uh, and introducing me uh, to some different lenders, especially ones that specialized in this other lending, that really kind of opened a lot of doors for us. Well, and I love the fact that you use that unintended pun of opening the door when we're talking about real estate. We met with a bank once before, and I always use this this story, and I was telling them what I love about it is it's more that handshake, old-school-style banking. They're not looking at it, at you from some dark back room to determine yes or no, and not to say that's the way Fannie Mae does it, but it's a little more open when the guy you're talking to at these banks is usually the decision-maker. And in this instance, I said I really loved this bank, and uh, it's one of the partners that we've had for a, a while. And I said the thing that's always been missing is you know, you used to get a relationship with a bank, and they'd give you a toaster. Well, the next week I had a toaster that had their name on it dropped off on my desk. <laughs> so that tells you what that style of lending is really all about. I remember opening that box, and we're like, why did they send us a toaster? And then it clicked. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and at the end of the day, I, I guess with Fannie Mae, their big thing is they got to sell that on the back end, or they have to be at least be – able to, right? So that's why it's got to fit into that tight little box. But a lot of these lenders that we're working with, they hold on to that. And so they hold on to those loans. And so they're a lot more flexible in what they're willing to to, to do and the risk they're willing to take. Um, but I, I definitely, having someone come behind you as a mentor definitely helps in those situations. Uh, that way, the the lenders know that you you know what you're doing at the end of the day is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's really why we started our mentorship programs, because so many people that come to us, they're in these properties or they're in the wrong type of property or they've been holding a property too long and the return has diminished. There's just so many things you don't know until you know. And it's all about going back to leveraging, leveraging people's time, leveraging their knowledge. And for us, we really love helping people build this portfolio. And, and you know, again, these these other lending 
funding options are really what make it all possible. Especially for us, we do a lot of renovation properties, and they have options for loan-to-cost lending. And it's kind of complex, but essentially, if the property has a lot of equity at the end of a renovation, you can actually use some of that equity towards down payment. And so it's a really great tool as you get going and you've established yourself as an investor to move very quickly. And of course, our whole model is about building as big a portfolio as possible, as quickly as possible, and not necessarily having to have all this extra money coming in to do it, right? Our, everything that we teach is about, well, I have this much to start. How far can I take that? And so everything that we do and mentor is around that model. Uh, the other thing I love about these other lending avenues is you can really title it however you want. Uh, personal, business name, trust. We actually had an attorney at our event yesterday talking about this exact thing and the different titling options and how it can be part of an estate planning journey, which many of our clients are in the middle of. There's less paperwork. Again, there's usually going to be just a few pieces of paperwork, you know, your W-2, maybe your pay stubs, a P&L if you have a business, a balance sheet, and not a whole lot more than that. And that's one of the great things about these banks. And if you're doing DSCR loans, they're really qualifying the property. They're not even really qualifying you. And, you know, sometimes there can be a prepayment penalty or a minimum DSCR like we talked about. The loan closing costs vary. It's not like Fannie Mae where it's all pretty consistent. Just make sure you're paying attention to fees. But you also make sure that if you're doing these other type of loans, you're still utilizing your Fannie Mae slots. It's a great tool to do Fannie Mae, get those best terms, get that equity growing, go refinance back out into a DSCR or other similar product, and then go back into Fannie Mae because you've opened those doors back up. Absolutely. And when you're looking at these, you know, they're going to have a lot of different options that they throw at you. Two of those are going to be interest only or arm mortgages. In the past, those have had some bad taste in people's mouth, but I'm going to go over some of the benefits of them. They're both great tools in a higher rate climate. And then there's also the arm mortgage. It increases cash flow due to a lower interest rate. If you're not doing Fannie Mae, most commercial loans are not 30-year fixed anyway. And then there's also the option of interest only. And what that is is when you're not paying the principal, you're just banking your payment towards the interest. It can make the most sense in a stable and appreciating market, though. When you're looking at these anyway in a low-rate climate, we're going to recommend that you refinance all your properties to a low interest rate or that DSCR that we mentioned before, financing. Yep. So let's talk about some return comparisons between 25 and 30 year amortizations, because a lot of people don't realize how much of a difference it makes. So on a 25 year amortization, going to a 30 year amortization, everything is apples to apples, right? Same mortgage balance, same interest rate, same term, all of that. Your cash flow is going to go up on a regular rental property about $84 a month. That's about 73% more cash flow. And on your cash on cash return, it goes up about 2.29%. A return comparison, when we look at interest only versus an amortizing, your cash flow is going to go up about $211. Your cash flow goes up over 100%. The cash on cash return goes up about 5.77%. And it's also just a little bit higher if you include the principal pay down into that overall return. So when we look at interest only and amortizing, the total amount you're making gross, including principal pay down and your cash flow going to your bank account every month is about the same. But if you're trying to replace an income and live on the cash flow, interest only is king. You know, you're definitely right there. And when we're looking at this, I mean, we've now gone over all the different loan options that we've got and all the different financing options that we recommend. So the conversation on leveraging is over, right? Uh, Not quite. Because what most people don't talk about is the other forms of leveraging that there are out there that are not monetary. And Jason and I were having this conversation the other day. Jason, why don't you give your thoughts on this? Absolutely. Um, So when I think about leveraging, one of my favorite visuals that really comes to mind is a quote by Archimedes. 
Give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. And when you think about that as a visual image of using leverage, it's extremely powerful. And then how can we actually take that and use that in our lives? Well, you know, when you look at leveraging and leveraging people's experience, you're going to have those people who will stand up and tell you, everything's been great. I've done nothing but make money. I've never made a mistake. And that's always a scary phrase to hear from somebody because half of what you want to do when you're leveraging is learn from things that went right or didn't go right. And, you know, it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely true. And when I think about... You know, I was a middle child, and I know remembering seeing my my older siblings growing up uh, and and learning from their experiences. You know, uh, not necessarily wanting to get the exact same punishments they got. So we learned the good and the bad and the ugly from those around us. And I think one of the things that's really important with that when we're taking when we're talking about learning from other people's experiences is surrounding yourself with people that you want to learn from. There's that old adage that. We are the average of the five people that we surround ourselves with on a day-in and day-out basis. It's funny because when we talk about leveraging, you're not just working with and leveraging people that are further along than you. I find so much guidance from people that are family and friends and business associates. And, you know, Jason, you are so philosophical. And so many times we sit and talk about things and you give me a totally different perspective on how to look at things, both personally and professionally. And, you know, being in this business, I think so often we just look at, well, what's going to help us get ahead and what's going to help us, you know, buy more property and get better loans. But it's your entire life. And your entire systems of leveraging everything and your knowledge, not just in real estate, but in finance and in being a parent and in being a business owner and how you want to run your business. There's just so many things that we can learn from leveraging. And, you know, one of the, the great joys that I've been able to have is meet so many people in my life who I look up to as mentors and as guides. And I'm really excited that next week, one of those is going to be on with us. So tune in next week where we're going to have a fantastic guest joining us, Kathy Fetke, discussing the roots of the current inflation crisis, what we should expect, and how to use the current market to your advantage. Coming up after break, we're going to talk about how we got started and where our investment journey began and how you can follow that same path. Again, visit our website, www.wealthandrentals.com to learn more. Be right back. This is a pre-recorded program paid for by Slaughter Investing. Welcome to the Wealth and Rentals Show, where each week we give you the keys to unlock your real estate investing journey. My name is Leah Slaughter, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, Michael Slaughter, and our vice president, friend, and brother, Jason Bales. To learn more about us and what we offer, visit www.wealthandrentals.com. One of the things I want to talk to you about is how we did our own journey and where that's really taken us and it just helped us have such an incredible investment portfolio, but also life journey. So let's start back at the beginning. 2011, we've just adopted our first child and we needed more space because you and I knew that we wanted to go adopt more children. And so we bought a new home. We were so excited and we put our current house up as a rental property. That was mid-2011 and we later sold that property in July 2013. We were helping so many people build investment journeys and real estate portfolios, and we were so busy fostering and then adopting three older children, plus running our successful real estate and property management business, that we just didn't take the time to build our own portfolio. 
all too often, I think we get so busy building someone else's dream that we forget to build our own. And sometimes life is just too busy and it just gets in the way. For some of us, I think we're so busy making great incomes, we just don't really think about the future. Does that sound familiar? So in early 2017, we were sitting on a lot of cash, we had a good income, we had good credit, we had strong assets, and we knew we had to act. We'd already waited too long. We couldn't wait any longer. So we had to make time for our own future. We started with buying two homes in Sherman and two homes in Greenville. For those of you that have been listening to us, you know those are two of our favorite markets. We bought three of those as brand new properties, and one was pre-owned that just needed flooring and some touch-ups. Next, we bought and renovated a six-unit apartment in Wiley in January 2018. Jason, that's actually how you and I originally met, because you were gung-ho on trying to buy that building from me. Absolutely, yeah. I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I drove by it, saw the sign out front, and I was like, I know who that company is, and I know who uh, that owner of that company is, so why not give it a try, right? Like I told you, I was I was drinking that Kool-Aid on, on multifamily pretty hard back then, but at least let me introduce me to y'all. So. And that building is the one that I've always broken our model on because I just hate to think about getting rid of it. I think you look at it as our fifth child. It, it really was because we brought it up from a run-down <laughs> little building in downtown Wiley to what it is now. You know, it's amazing. I look back and we bought that building at just 46% of what it actually appraised for just three years later in 2021 when we cash out refinanced it. That building is exactly the type of model that we look for and it's done fantastic for us. So next, we bought a fourplex in White Settlement in 2018. We sold that in April 2019 for $185,000 more than what we had just bought it for just a year later. We 1031'd that one into seven properties and thus began my love affair with large 1031 exchanges. Oh yes, and you do have a love affair with those. <laughs> For those of you that attended our last event, you heard us talk about how our title company and 1031 companies actually had to design a spreadsheet just to keep track of my 1031s because I take creative 1031s to the next level. And you know, the crazy thing is we do it all the time. Uh, and what about those original four properties I bought back in 2017. We sold in 1031 all four of them too for big profits in 2019 and 1031 into more properties. So let me tell you about a 1031 I just did. We finished a 1031 at the end of 2022 and I took less than 500,000 in equity out of that one property and I turned it into 13 single family homes, a fourplex, a duplex, and a lot that I've already resold and 1031 exchanged last week. And it's important to realize that you just went through that whole thing and before people are thinking about, well, we just had this giant nest egg worth of cash that we were pumping in to get there. None of this involved us injecting any more cash in on these 1031s. We were taking profit from one, deferring the gains, and buying something else. So we didn't pay a capital gains tax on it. We were able to take that money and put it back to work. Yeah, the truth is, the saying is defer, defer, defer until you die. And for those of you who don't know, if you do a 1031 exchange and your property is a part of a 1031 exchange, when you die, your heirs get a stepped up basis, meaning that their basis becomes the value at that moment in time. And so essentially, everything that you've deferred just disappears. Yeah. I mean, we want to add in a few more defers in there before we get to the latter <laughs> part of it. But yeah. Yeah. Don't be don't be in a hurry. Right? Don't be in a hurry to get to that part. But what was it? Defer, defer and die. Yes, <laughs> that was yes, pretty yes. Yeah. We need about 10 more defers in there or if you're me, about 50. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is how the model works. This is how our model works. We've done it all. We've done apartments and single family and commercial and flips and hard money and burr. We've done funds. You name it. Our goal is to teach you what works again. And it goes back to leveraging. You want to leverage our experience. You want to leverage what we've done so that we 
we can save you the hassle of the things that we don't like. I mean, how many people do you ever get that come into your life that says, use us, please, because that is what it is. It is a team sport. And you'll hear me say that on just about every show, if not every show that we do, because every time I speak, I'm very passionate about the idea. This is a team sport. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And y'all have done an amazing job mentoring people. Uh, over the last several years, and I know that's something y'all have taken to the next level. And in fact, I know we got a mastermind uh, coming up tomorrow. And what is one of the most common things that y'all tend to see? What is like one of the most common mistakes that people you're mentoring are making? these days. So part of our mentorship is an intake process and I have a proprietary spreadsheet I've designed and yes I have the mugs and the t-shirts because everyone makes fun of my love of spreadsheets but it really allows me to analyze things on a very meticulous level and so that intake process that they go through they send me a spreadsheet that quite literally tells me okay here's what I own this is what it looked like when I bought it this is what the return looked like and here's what it looks like today and I, I had a couple of this go around my jaw dropped which which, by the way, y'all, the mastermind sold out, but we do have a few more upcoming. So if you think you might be in that boat, if you think you've held your property a little too long, you have a little bit too much equity, or maybe you've been afraid to leverage it at all, this is exactly what masterminds are for, right? It's to help kind of kickstart you into gear. And for me, it's about showing you the numbers of why what you're doing is such a bad idea, but more importantly, how all of that equity that's sitting is money that you could be using to take yourself to the next level. You don't realize how little cash it takes to get to the point that Michael and I are at. It sounds like a lot, but in reality, you're using each property to pay for the next. You're using each asset to grow and handle that next step for you. And with the power of 1031 exchanges and the amazing tax and lending system we have here in this country, anyone with a good income and good credit can do it. Well, and I love the light bulb moment every time we get these groups together and we'll talk to somebody who is, they're intelligent individuals who, you know, I bought this house and, you know, I bought it for this price and I'm making, you know, $2,000 a month in rents and I'm, now I'm making $2,500 a month in rents and it's not until they look at it to go, well, you're making $500 more a month in rent, but your return has dropped because you have all this equity that has built up in it. It's like if you were to take out a savings account at a bank and they offer you an interest rate return on it, but it's only up to this dollar amount. After that, we're, we're just going to hold the money and you get no return. Yeah, 100%. Like one of the people that I did the assessment for, they have enough equity in one property to go buy 20 single family properties. And I saw that same situation across at least three or four of the intake forms. And y'all, this is just a group of 12 people. And this is why we've started our monthly mentorship groups. And that's so that we can help you stay accountable, help you monitor your investments, tell you what you need to be looking for, not just in your real estate investment journey, but in your entire financial life. You know, I, I was always raised with the fact that, you know, you get old enough, you retire and the government's going to give you enough money that you can go live. And the thing that's so untrue these days is not only is the government not going to give you enough money to live, but whatever number you thought you needed for retirement, if nothing else, the last year has shown us that with inflation potential, that number is not enough. I read an article a few years ago talking about how most people could retire with $2 million. And it's just not true. I mean, think about all these people that are driving around in their RVs right now that are having to park at RV parks because they physically can't afford the gas and bills because of that fixed income they retired on that they worked their whole life to earn all these 401ks and everything else and they're stuck. And so our goal is to help you prepare for your future because Michael, both you and I came from backgrounds where there wasn't future preparation. 
generation. And it's not something that I think we teach in our schools. We don't educate our people about how to have a financial future, how to file taxes. Heck, my kids can barely even calculate a tip at a restaurant. This generation is just not financially savvy. And it's because everything's at their fingertips, right? Why learn how to calculate numbers when I can ask Siri? And so I think it's about helping people understand that retirement is something you have to start planning for when you're young. We started investing when we were in our 20s. Here we are all these years later, and we're still young with so much time to keep going. And so it doesn't matter what stage you're at, whether you're in your 60s or your 70s, so many of our investors are, or whether you're in your 20s, you need to be on this journey because no one else is going to take care of you. Well, and this is also more about what their idea of retirement is. What's your idea of retirement? Because everybody's is going to be slightly different. And you can build a program that works for your level of retirement. Yeah. And, you know, some people come to us and they're not looking to retire. They're just looking to supplement income. Other people come to us and they want to be able to replace their income. And so everyone's goals are different, but the journey is the same. The model is the same. Absolutely. I think one of the things that you tend to run into a lot is people have it ingrained in them that they want to pay everything off, right? They, they don't want to have any debt. Debt's bad. And, and, and we hear that. And, there, and there's people that have, that have been, you know, preaching that for a long time. But I think that there's got to be that clear line of what's bad debt and what's good debt and how to use that good debt to go, to go leverage your properties, to go buy more properties. I have people that call me and their primary home is completely paid off. They have no mortgage on their primary home, but they have no savings and they want to know how to invest. But they can't wrap their head around the thought that your personal home is going to get you the best rate, the best ability to go leverage, to go buy rental property. And at the end of the day, there's this huge opportunity that you're missing out on. I'm not saying to go take a 100% mortgage on your house, which, of course, in Texas, you can't cash out that high anyway. God love Texas. But at the end of the day, you have to look at where you are in your journey and where you can move forward with what you have available to you. And that's what our entire model is built around. So, again, I want to invite you. Come join us at one of our free live events. Go to our website. Learn about what we do. www.wealthandrentals.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next week with our special guest, Kathy Fetke, head of the Real Wealth Network out of California. She's a powerhouse of information, and she's going to be talking to us about the roots of inflation, everything that's going on right now in our market, and where we think things are going. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. See you next week. The preceding program was paid for by Slaughter Investing and does not reflect the opinions or advice of KRLD or Odyssey.